Welcome back, Missio family. Today, you'll hear Pastor Josh talk about how we are all works in progress. There's a spiritual reality that we are to look forward and keep following Jesus rather than getting stuck in the past. If you have any questions about Missio, you'd like to join a missional community, or you have any prayer requests, please contact us at missio.life. Well, good morning and welcome. So glad to see you all here today. Um, Just also want to remind you that we have fourth and fifth grade ministry that they go at this time back to the conference room in the back corner there, the glass with the glass windows. So if you have fourth and fifth graders that want to be a part of that, Katie is heading that up. I'm pretty sure she's maybe gone back there already. Uh, Anyway, so if you have kiddos in that age group, feel free to send them if you'd like. Otherwise, they can hang out here with us. So it's kind of exciting to see growth and new ministries starting and excited about Matt. So um, yeah, we're going to have some um, student ministry going from 6th to 12th grade as well. So this is church planting, right? We're we're kind of learning things and growing. And um, I've, I've often said just as kind of a leadership thing, we're not pouring concrete. So if we try something and it doesn't work, we're going to change it. And that's part of the beauty of being in a church plant that I love it. Um, But anyway... So if you guys know anything about me, um, I like projects. I'm a project guy. Anybody else like a project person here? Uh, Yeah, like I love projects and I like working on stuff with tools. Doesn't really matter if it's like a building thing, like a house thing. Lately, I've been into a lot of cars and motorcycles and um, built some motorcycles, built a, uh, actually I'm working on a car right now. It's kind of my long range project. It's a 68 Ford Fairlane, and it's going to probably take a couple years, just being, being honest with myself, you know, like not setting up unrealistic expectations, but um, it's going to be a driver. It's going to be a car that's got the Mustang two front end, you know, rack and pinion, power brakes, power steering, fuel injection, four link rear end, like it's going to be a driver. It's going to be a car that handles like it should. Uh, but I kind of got distracted with that because I bought a uh, 73 Ford F100 this summer, and I've been working on that. I'm actually driving. I was going to drive it here today, but I took the door off yesterday, and I didn't get it put back on in time. So uh, anyway, I like projects. I enjoy them. And I, when I got the car, the 68 Fairlane, I reached out to my father-in-law, and I said, uh, Gary, is there some advice you can give me? Because uh, he's a car guy as well, and he had done a 64 Impala, and so he had gone through that whole process about 10 years ago. Nice car, beautiful car. I said, give me some wisdom, man. Like, what, what's, your, what's your advice? He said, well, it's going to cost you way more time and money than you expect. Check, that's true. Uh, and he said, he said, here's the thing. You're going to spend a lot of time working on it. And he goes, the thing I've realized is that I actually enjoyed the process more than driving the finished car. I said, that's weird. Like, that." Isn't that why you start a project in the first place is to get to the finish line and to be finished with it and enjoy it? Uh, And no doubt he does. He takes it out driving and he'll go to car shows. But he said, I really miss the process. I miss working in the shop. I miss all the stuff that, you know, you you, you work on all these little things. And it's like, yeah, you're, you're cutting out a panel in the body and you're welding in sheet metal and you're getting the engine running and you're getting the headlights to work. And it's all those little incremental steps along the way that's part of the process. And I thought that was really strange at first, but now I'm starting to understand that there is a lot of joy in the process. 
For me, this is my therapy. I go out to the garage, I start, you know, working on the car, and I could spend hours out there. It's just, it's kind of my zone. It's peaceful, and I enjoy the process. Now, some of you are thinking, forget that. Like, I don't want to fix a car. I want to just go buy one that's finished, or, you know, a house. You don't want to work on a house. You want to just have the finished product, and and no doubt, we all can enjoy that, um, but there's something about the process of creating or building or making something that to me and probably to many of you is very fulfilling. Maybe some of you have home projects that are unfinished. Anybody have a home project that's unfinished? And <laughs> that can get kind of stressful, right? It's like, when's that bathroom going to get done? Or the kitchen's not quite there yet. And I'm not trying to bring up a sore spot for anybody, um, but... But we all have projects, and we have things that aren't finished yet. And I don't know if you realize this, but if you're sitting here today, you're an unfinished project. Like your heart, your soul, your character is not finished. We are all works in progress, and God is the one who's doing the work in us. And so we're, as much as we want to be in heaven, we want to be perfected, we want to be, you know, without any faults and no more sin and no more hang-ups or hurts, we're not there yet. Uh, it's just not where we're at. Uh, we, we talked about this in the first week of our series in Philippians. There's a verse, Philippians 1.6. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That's a promise. And that's good news for us, that Jesus is going to finish his stuff. Because unlike us, we don't finish our projects all the time. Jesus always finishes the work that he starts. That's that's really good for us, that God doesn't leave us just dangling out there. He says, no, I'm going to keep working on you. I'm going to keep drawing you to myself and making you more and more like me. So he reminds us um, that we need to continue to be a work in progress. And Paul says that in our text today. We're going to be reading in Philippians 3. If you have a Bible and you want to get there, we're going to read a text together in just a moment. But Paul reminds us in this scripture today that Um, there's kind of three things we need to be aware of. The past, where we once were, but we kind of need to forget about some of that. He he wants to remind us of the present, where we are today, that we get to live in the reality of where we are, and then also to focus on the future, where we're going, where's this all headed, and where do we get to be eventually. So the Apostle Paul um, wrote to his... his, um, his, his readers, his, his friends in Philippi, that it's not all about the journey, or it's more about the journey than it is about the destination. It's more about an adventure than it is about arriving. It's more about progress than it is about perfection. So we're going to read this text together. Again, if you have a Bible, we're going to go to Philippians 3. I'm going to be in the New Living Translation, as we have been for this whole series. Um, and so this is what it says, starting in verse 12. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress that we have already made. 
Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak, mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control." So Paul's encouraging his friends in Philippi. We've been in this series, and these are his friends. And he's writing from prison, and he's trying to say, hey, just stay in there. Keep keep running the race. Keep the course. And the first thing that he says, forget the past. Forget about the past. That's what Paul says. Look at verse 3. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. So why would we want to forget the past? Why would that be helpful for us? Isn't it good for us to remember the past, like to learn things from the past? And I'd say, yeah, in some cases, it's good for us to remember the past. But Paul's saying that you need to forget some things about the past too, because we can get pretty jammed up over what's happened in our lives. And we can focus kind of always looking over our shoulder like, man, I have all that regret or all those mistakes that I made or those broken relationships and I wish I could go back. And I I bet if we went around this room, we'd all say, yeah, I'd like to have some things back. I'd like to go back in time. I'm a car guy, but I don't own a DeLorean. I can't jump in my time machine and go backwards and neither can you. That's what Paul says. He says, forget what lies behind because you can't change that anymore. But what you can focus on Is today, and you still have impact on this life right now, and guess what? In the future, you still have things you can do. So the past is important, but it doesn't need to impede our present life. As I read this passage, I had to wonder, why why was Paul so adamant about this? Forgetting what lies behind. And I think this is why it trips us up. When we choose to focus too much on the past, we get super discouraged by our mistakes or our bad experiences. We focus on the wrong things. We say, oh, I just, I, I'm just really regretting all this stuff. And again, we can't go back and we can't change it. So what we can do is focus on the, on the, the day at hand and on the future. So we can't go back, but um, we're able to let go of our past mistakes because we have been saved. Like when you become a, a follower of Jesus, he says, I redeem you. I'm going to take care of your past, all your screw-ups, all your mistakes, all your sins. Forgiven, taken care of, paid for in full by Jesus. He says, you don't have to dwell on those. You don't have to keep replaying the tape. It's it's paid for. It's paid in full. Um, I love those little backup cameras. You guys probably, most of you have one of those in your car. Aren't they awesome? Like you can back up without turning your head. You don't have to do the arm on the armrest anymore. You can just look at a screen. And they're great because they they keep us safe. I like them in parking lots or even backing out of my driveway because we have a lot of kids that ride bikes and, you know, dogs and things, and I don't want to run over somebody. And so it's really nice to have that backup camera. But could you imagine if you drove around Bismarck looking at your backup camera only 
and just focused on that, like what's going to happen? Crash. You're going to get in an accident. It's going to be bad. That's what Paul's getting at. He says you can't just live life looking at the backup camera. What's behind you? You need to look through the windshield. You need to look forward. What's right here in front of you and where are you going? You can't live life focused on the past. See, it's harmful to focus on the past at the expense of the present and the future. Verse 12, this is what what Paul says. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already achieved perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. So there's a remembering of the past, but it's more so on what Jesus has done for us, not recounting all of our sins and mistakes. It's just a sense of like, hey, Jesus redeemed me. I'm good. So I can look back and remember that, but don't get stuck living in the past, going over things that Jesus has taken care of. When I was thinking about this, um, you know, just living with no regrets, um, I came across this um, tattoo that somebody got. I think we've got a slide of this. So you can live with no regrets. That's how we, we live, right? No regrets. Or the next one, no regrets. So those are tattoos that maybe you want to check the spelling before you have that. <laughs> I got a kick out of that. I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, so we want to live in a way that we don't focus on the past and we don't live with regret and we say, hey, Jesus has redeemed my past. I can't go back. So I'm going to focus on the present. So we need to live in the present, Paul says. What can we do now? Look at verse 15. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. But if you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress that we've already made. So we've already made some progress. If you know Jesus and you've been walking with him a while, you've made some progress. You've grown in your faith. And that's the process of discipleship, isn't it? That we, we trust Jesus more and more. We grow and we say, okay, I've learned some things about who God is. I understand who he says I am. And I get to live out that reality. And so we make progress. He says, hold on to that. Grab a hold of it. See, there's a theme of perseverance throughout Scripture and uh, even throughout the New Testament. I remember years ago, I, I would read, read the Bible and I'd like read a verse about salvation and being saved. Okay, that happened in the past, but then we will be saved and we're being saved. And so this idea of salvation in past, present, and future tense really makes a lot more sense when you understand this as you read through Scripture. Because the Bible talks about it in that way, past, present, and future. So I want to give you an example. Past, Titus 3, 5. He saved us, past tense, not because of the works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So if we know Jesus by faith, that happened in the past. But then the Bible talks about our present situation, that we are being saved. Look at 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to, those, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So the gospel is living and active and working in us today. Like we are being saved. That's the process of sanctification. And then the future, you will be saved. Romans 5, 9 through 10. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, 
much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. That's a future tense. For, it, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. So there's a future tense of standing before God one day. And so it makes a lot more sense when you understand it. And the theological terms that we often talk about are justification, I'm justified, our salvation, I'm sanctified, I'm being formed into the image of Jesus more and more, and then one day we will be glorified, glorification, when we are made perfect in the presence of Jesus. Anybody just want to jump to that point, like right now? Like, can we just, let's just peace out, we're going to be with Jesus right now, and it, it, because we don't really like to be in process. We don't really like that. But it's a process. And this is what Paul says in verse 17. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. He says, in the meantime, while you're living here on earth, follow my example. And I don't think Paul was an egomaniac. I don't think this was like, hey, I'm perfect and you need to just be like me. I think this is like a mentorship. Like, hey, I'm trying to embody the, the truth of the gospel, and there are other people that are trying to live out the gospel. Pattern your lives after them. Don't follow those teachers, the, the mutilators of the flesh we talked about last week, the false teachers, the people who were um, headed for destruction, Paul says. They were legalists. They were, yeah, don't follow them. And, and Paul said something similar in 1 Corinthians 1. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul admits he's not perfect. He said, I'm not, I haven't reached perfection yet. But pattern your lives after people who are living the truths of the gospel. So we live in this process of sanctification. And like I said, we don't like almost finished or almost done, do we? I know we have some contractors in the room, uh, people who do projects for a living and um, I, I worked as a contractor for a while and have done some home remodels, and I'm sure many of you have done home remodel projects. And you know what it's like to have that unfinished work. And one thing I learned throughout uh, my time as a contractor was not everybody appreciates the middle point. Like, they come in to check on it, and you're like, hey, look, we framed up this wall over here. And they come in, they're like, all they can see is uh, wires hanging out of a box and no trim and the floor's dirty and no drywall and you know what I mean? Like some people cannot appreciate the vision of where it's going. They just want to see the finished product. And I'd say most of us are that way when it comes to our spiritual lives. I don't want to see my half finished product. Like I want to see the finished product. I want to be in heaven. I want to be perfect. I don't want to be a work in progress. But that's where we are. We are unfinished spiritually. We're works in progress. If you know Jesus by faith, you're not where you once were, but you're also not where you will be. It's kind of that in-between phase. I want to pause here. I have a couple of questions for discussion. And the first one is this. Why is it sometimes difficult to live in the reality that we are unfinished disciples? Why is it uncomfortable? Why is it difficult? What do you guys think? Yeah, because we're not as far as we thought we should be. And then we mess up and we sin and then we beat ourselves up. Thought I was better than that. Yeah. Humility is the ability to see things the way they really are. 
If, let's see if I could get this right. If humility is the ability to see where we really are, then say that again. That we know we haven't made it. It's humbling. Yeah, it's humbling to, to admit that we're not there yet. What about grace? We talked a lot about grace last week. How do you think grace fits into this? The reality that we're unfinished. What do you guys think? You need to have grace with yourself and other people. You need to have grace with yourself and other people? Why? Yeah, yeah, we're not perfect. We're not done yet. And there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be conflict. It's, again, it's just living in that reality that the, the, the wall's framed up, but there's no drywall on it yet. Sorry, <laughs> that's where I'm at right now. Second question is, why do you think being focused too much on the past negatively impacts us in the present? And if you're just kind of always looking, living life, looking over your shoulder of what happened, how, do, how does that negatively impact our present? Comparison is the thief of joy, yeah. So you may look at yourself five or ten years ago and think you were either in a better place and I should be able to sustain that or, and that is frustrating and upsetting or maybe you are in a better place but not as far along as you think you should be. Struggle with uh, habitual sin or something like that. And then you're hard on yourself because you're not giving the grace that yeah. you So she's kind of talking about comparing yourself to a, a previous version of you. So maybe you've been a Christian for a while and you thought you'd be farther along, you thought you were farther along, and then you continually trip over stuff. And again, it just gets back to showing grace to yourself to say, hey, and isn't it true that maybe the longer you walk with Jesus, the more you realize how jacked up you are? Isn't, isn't that kind of the way it works? Like, man, I'm, I'm awesome. And then you're like, 10 years later, you're like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I need Jesus more. But I, but I do think we grow in faith, hopefully, you know, and, and reflect him more and more. But I think that humility is what Arlen was getting at. We realize that we're not there. We grow in humility as we realize our need for him. So Paul then talks about the future. He says, it's going to get better. Focus on the future. Um, he tells his friends in Philippi that... Um, they have a heavenly prize, that they are looking forward to the day of Christ Jesus. So what is he talking about? Well, to understand this, this ending of the story, let's just give a, a snapshot of what the whole story is. And if you've been around Missio a while, you know that we talk about story in four movements. Creation, God in the beginning made everything. He created it perfect, beautiful. Adam and Eve walked and talked with God in perfect friendship and relationship. It, it was awesome. They were naked and unashamed. But then we have what we call the fall. Adam and Eve took of the forbidden fruit. They disobeyed God. They said, we're not going to trust you. We're going we're to take matters into our own hands. We can do a better job of managing our knowledge of good and evil than you can, God. And that's what we call the fall, right? The fall of mankind. And we still feel the effects of their sin today. Unfortunately, that's marred our world. It's broken. 
But then Jesus came. We have redemption. Jesus showed up. God said, I'm going to send my son on a rescue mission to save you from your sins. And so Jesus enters the scene. And he dies on the cross so that we can have salvation to redeem our sin and our past. But then the last part of the story, the fourth movement, is uh, restoration. We haven't, we're not there yet. Jesus has not returned. The Bible tells us that he will one day come back for his church, and he's going to make everything new. So what he made in the beginning, how perfect and awesome it was, it's full circle. He's going to redo creation. There will be no more sin, no more sickness, no more pain, no more death. That's the end of the story. And he says, that's what we're looking forward to. The heavenly prize, the day of Christ Jesus. He's going to return and he's going to make it all better. Look at verse 20 and 21. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. We are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own. Using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. So I don't know if you caught this. We get a new body. Anybody ready for an upgrade? (laughs) Anybody ready for no more like back pain, knee problems, eye problems? I don't know. Like we all have something wrong with us, don't we? I'll take a body upgrade. I mean, good grief. So we get a new body and we get to dwell with Jesus in perfect harmony. No sickness, no pain, no death, no conflict, no drama, no broken relationships, no politics. Some of you really like that one, right? No politics. But he says, this is what he says, I press on to reach the end of the race and to receive the heavenly prize which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. So Paul says, I press on. I'm looking forward to the end of the race. But who won the heavenly prize? Jesus. Who, who earns our citizenship in heaven? It's an easy one. Jesus. <laughs> right? It's not us. So, so what does this running the race business have to do? What does this perseverance have to do with anything? Paul uses the, the, the analogy of a race, a runner. Any, we have any marathon runners in here? Raise your hand if you run a marathon. We have any? Oh, yeah. So you guys are awesome. I, I could maybe run like three or four miles and I'd probably die. Um, I don't, I've never done it. I, I have a friend who does ultra marathons, like 100 miles, bro. Are you, what's wrong with you? He's awesome, though, and, and he trains for it. Oh, my goodness, he trains. And you have to. If you want to run like that, you can't just show up and wing it. I mean, you can try, but it's not going to turn out very well. And so Paul uses this analogy of a runner. He says, I want to run the race. I want to finish because here's the thing. Our Christian life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And what's the goal of a marathon? Like, what's the main goal? Finish. Like, yeah, okay, you might have a personal best time or a goal of like, I want to get there. and You may be competing with some friends, but... The goal is to finish, to finish well, to finish strong. You want to get to the finish line. And I think that's where this analogy breaks down a little bit because God wants us to finish the race, but it's not because we're going to somehow earn our way into heaven. That's already been paid for. Jesus already won. 
But he wants us to finish strong. Why? Why why is this important? Because we represent Jesus. We are on team Jesus, and we want to represent him well. We want to bring glory to his name by the way we live. We want to point other people to Jesus. So it's not about earning our own reward in heaven. Jesus has already done that. It's about being faithful and finishing the race strong. So I said before, I'm not a runner, but if I was, if I uh, said, okay, I'm going to run this marathon, and I'm not going to train at all, I'm just going to sit on the couch and eat Doritos and cheeseburgers for two months, and then I'm going to show up at, what's the thing in Madora, Mata, Matahe? I'm going to show up and I'm going to run that thing. Is anyone going to take me seriously? No. And my team is, you know, if I'm on a team, they're going to be like, oh, okay. We're on Team Jesus. The way we live our lives reflects who we're connected to, right? Are we serious about our faith? Is it valuable to us? Does it change the way that we live? Yeah. And so we run the race because of our faithfulness to Jesus, because we want to bring glory to him and point other people to him, not just because we want to earn something for ourselves. So two questions, two more questions I want to talk about. The first one is this. How would finishing this life well bring more glory to God than not finishing well? If it's about glory, glorifying God, how would, it, how would it bring more glory to God by finishing well? What do you think? Right, let's jump to the next one and we'll come back to that. What do you think finishing well looks like? Following examples, leading others to him. Yeah. Yeah. There's a word. Starts with an F. Forgiveness. Yeah. Forgiveness. What about faithfulness? Well, just being faithful. Doesn't doesn't a lot of the Christian life just revolve around trusting God? Just over and over and over, like, okay, God, I trust you. Being faithful. That's what finishing well looks like. To the end. So how would that bring more, more glory to God than not? If somebody who just checks out on their face says, I'm done, I'm out. How does it bring more glory to God if we're faithful to the end? Who said that? He knows you tried. Yeah, we put in effort, right? How about our testimony? If we say God is great, he's awesome, but then we don't live like that, like, does that bring glory to God? No, we're a reflection. We, we reflect what God is like to others. And is God faithful? Does God ever check out on us? No. Second question. How does keeping an eternal perspective change the way we live today? So the day-to-day struggles don't really compare with the grand scheme of things. Is that 
Am I paraphrasing what you said? Yeah. This, is, this life is short, you guys. Do you realize that? Like, who, how long is eternity, man? I remember being a kid and laying in my bed and going, I've only been alive like five years. Like, how long is eternity? <laughs> Christmas is a long ways away, you know. <laughs> eternity is a long time, and this life is short. And I think it does. It gives us perspective on what's really important. I went to two funerals this week. It really makes you kind of think, doesn't it, about life, how short it is and how valuable people are. Kind of slows you down just a little bit. Any other thoughts on that? How does keeping an eternal perspective change the way we live today? Wow, yeah. <laughs> the only thing that really matters is people. People are endure for eternity one way or another, whether they go to heaven or hell, like people are the eternal. Everything else, God's gonna redo. He's gonna start over. Yeah, people matter. So here's the thing. We, we have a spiritual enemy. I don't know if you realize this, but our enemy of our souls, he wants us to look over our shoulder. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. He's always pointing out our flaws. You did this wrong, you did that, you're a crummy person. And he wants us to get jammed up by looking in the past. Paul says, forget what happened in the past. Jesus redeemed it. You've been saved. Focus on today and on the future. Focus on what lies ahead. So I hope that we can learn to live free today. By the way, if you're living in the past, you're probably not going to have much joy. We've talked a lot about joy this series. Joy doesn't happen in the past. It happens now. Thanking God for what I have today, my family, my friends, my sunshine. I don't know, nice day. So we can live free in, in the moment today and we can also live with one eye on eternity, thinking about what is to come. One of the funerals I went to was my um, great aunt. And as the family shared, they talked about how much she talked about heaven. And she did, like I knew her. And for 20 years, she was talking about going to heaven. It didn't mean she didn't live life now. She was fully present with her kids, her grandkids, her great-grandkids. She, she was present, but she always knew, this is not my home. This is not my, my dwelling. And that was really encouraging to me. I'm like, yeah, that really changed the way that she lived her life. And it does. And that's why Paul says, we forget what lies behind and we live for today and we focus on eternity, where we're going. We're citizens of heaven that's who we are. That's how we get to live. And I don't know about you, but I'm very thankful that God finishes his projects. He's going to complete the work that he's doing in you right now. You may not be where you want to be today. You may feel kind of half done, partially done, kind of like that car sitting in my garage. But Jesus is going to finish it. He's faithful. Let's thank him for that. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And we thank you that you are faithful, God, that you never change and that your word doesn't change. And these promises that were written so many years ago to the, the church in Philippi still apply to us, Lord, that you've begun a good work and you will complete it. And so our call today is to forget the past, to hold on to the progress that you've already made in us and to, Lord, look towards the future of the completed work that you will one day do. 
And Lord, let us not be selfish to just focus on us, but to remember that there's a world out there that needs you, Jesus. And that the gospel, the good news, isn't just good news for me. It's good news for the whole world. We think of all the craziness, the war that's happening over in Israel and just crazy things all around our world. And Jesus, you are our hope. So may we not put our hope and our trust in anything but you. We rest in what you've done for us, Jesus. We thank you in your name. Amen. Would you stand as we close in song? Josh left us with a few takeaways from today's service. Paul reminds his readers and us that we need a proper perspective of the past, where we were, the present, where we are, and the future, where we will be. Past. Forget the past. Paul says in verse 3, But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, and looking forward to what lies ahead. The past is important, but doesn't need to impede on our life in the present. When we choose to focus too much on the past, we get discouraged by our mistakes or bad experiences. We are able to let go of past mistakes because we have been saved. Romans 8.1 says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It is harmful to us to focus on the past at the expense of the present and the future. Present, what can you do now? God has already saved you, but he is not done with you yet. He is in the process of saving you. You have been saved. You are being saved. You will be saved. The reality is, we are all unfinished spiritually. We are all works in progress. Future, it's going to get so much better. Paul tells his friends in Philippi that things are going to get much better in the future. He talks about the heavenly prize and the day of Christ Jesus. What is he talking about? God desires for us to finish well because we reflect in his likeness to the world around us. Discussion questions. Why is it sometimes difficult to live in the reality that we are an unfinished disciple? Why do you think being focused too much on the past negatively impacts us in the present? How would finishing this life well bring more glory to God than not finishing well? What do you think finishing well looks like? How does keeping an internal perspective change the way that we live today? Thanks for listening, Missio Fam, and we'll see you again next week.